Hi guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And this is going to be unsettling. Deeply. Abby's basement. We have Abby tonight. We are out of quarantine, so now we can be together again, which is nice. Um, today I posted on our Instagram that we were recording and we got some questions. Ern, you want to answer some questions? I'm Abby, ready. Want- All right. So let me pull them up. You talk about something while I find them. Mm, you talk about Grandpa Joe again. <laughs> How you look like Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka. <laughs> Just in bed. I just can't move. Like, how did they not get blood clots? <laughs> From just laying there. It was, it, it, All day long. And just eating cabbage soup. I just... Bed sores. Yeah, that's a real thing. You die from a bad bed sore. I'm growing one right now. Oh, no. So one of the questions we got was, did you read any true crime books and what is your favorite? Did you? Um, yeah, yeah, I have. Read so many books, they all blend together, kind of. Okay. Um, I was reading the, I forget the exact title, but Anne Rule, it was like Murder on the Green River, about um, John Wayne Gacy. Okay. I think that was it. I thought it was the Green River Killer. The Green River Killer. That's not John Wayne Gacy. All right. See how I mix things up? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's in the title. Um, one of the ones I read was The Family Next Door, which followed this family, and their last name is failing me at the moment. But they had 12 or 13 kids, and they had this whole like life on social media that looked totally normal. So you would assume that everything was fine. But in all actuality, as soon as they left Disney, because that's where they took all their pictures, as soon as they left Disney, the kids were shackled to their bed. And the only way that they escaped was one of the older daughters broke out of the shackles in the middle of the night and ran to the neighbor's house and said, you have to call the police or we're all going to die. And they were like severely malnourished. It was crazy, but it was a good book, The Family Next Door. I have heard of that, actually. I didn't read the book, though. I forget the name of the family, but um, one of the other questions we got is, have we ever been to a weird New Jersey location? (laughs) Gravity Hill. Yeah, I think I took you there when you were little. Yeah. Probably against your will. Probably scared you. I was at the Midget House. Oh, yeah? Brick, right? Yeah. I don't know. The, if it's, is it still there? Uh, I used to see it when we used to go to the boat with my dad, but I haven't been that way. I was just watching um, this documentary on Action Park, which oh. was like in weird New Jersey. Yeah. And it's crazy, but it's good so far. I have like 30 minutes left of it. Okay. There's... um. A house that me and Lindsay used to pass when we would go to the Columbus flea market. And it's like this old farm. And it's just creepy. And it really shouldn't be because they take care of the farm. Like they restore the buildings and stuff. But there's these two like giant mounds in the front of the farm right by the road. And I looked into it and it's because the owner had these two horses that he loved. Mm. And I guess apparently when a horse dies, you chop its legs off and then bury it in the hole. Well, it's easier to chop it into pieces to like fit it in a hole. Okay, so, so people he, do that. He didn't want to do that. 
So instead, he encapsulated them in concrete and then covered that with dirt and then put trees on it. So those two mounds are his prized horses. Okay. It's kind of beautiful. It is. Now that I know what it is, it's pretty cool. But yeah, that's some of the questions we got. Great. All right. You want to go? I think I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a big fan of Reddit. I love it. I save a lot of cases on there on Unsolved Mysteries and some other subreddits. So I had a case figured out and then I went down a Reddit hole (laughs) until like 4 a.m. And I found something really interesting. Okay. So, sorry. Reddit user BizBuzzBizBuzz. Stop. Sell seashores. Seashells by the seashore. With his best friend, Bixie. They outlined a case called the Circleville Letter Murderer. Not murderer. I'm sorry. The Circleville Letters. Um, Yeah, I've never heard of it. Have you guys? No. Have you heard of it, Abby? The Circle. No. Circleville Letter Writer. So... I got a lot of my information from that, and I also got information from thoughtcatalog.com and one of my oldest and dearest friends, Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. It's been good to me. Donate does it if ask you, you to, uh, I was just going to say, does it ask you to donate every time you open it? Yeah, pretty much every time. What's it, like $2 is all it asks for? It's like, all it takes is two seventy five For you to still get all the information you need for free. And I was like, okay, at 4 a.m. So Thanks for that. So in 1976, a town called Circleville in Ohio will be left terrified and on edge for almost a decade. Actually, really more when I think about it, when we go into it, as residents' deepest secrets were exposed in a series of letters, which came to be known as the Circleville Letters. So the first letters from an anonymous sender were discovered in Mary Gillespie's mailbox and also at Westfall High School. It was addressed to the superintendent, Gordon Massey. And Mary was a school bus driver. The letter threatened to expose an alleged affair she had been having with Gordon Massey. So the letters both demanded that Mary and Gordon confess their affair to the school board. Weird. Or there would be consequences. So Mary and Gordon both denied the affair. And they kind of brushed them off immediately, initially, the letters. Okay. But it wouldn't be long until another letter was opened from the mysterious center. The very next day, actually... Another letter was sent to the school board exposing, quotes, the affair between the superintendent and the bus driver who had denied the affair. So in Mary's original letter, the sender claimed to be watching her, knew how many children she had and other personal details about her. Don't like that. No. So it turned out Mary would be the main target, even though he harassed other people, but she was kind of singled out. And this was only the beginning of the bizarre events that would take place and hold a a whole town hostage for years to come. Hmm. It's weird. So Mary's husband, Ron, was personally addressed in the next letter that the family found. The sender urged Ron to fess up about his wife's affair. And Ron didn't even think it really existed either. And this time the threat escalated. They wanted him to report his wife's affair to the school board. He's obsessed with the school board. I don't know what he thinks is going to come out of that. That's weird. Right? He's like, send it to the school board. He's a disgruntled employee. Yeah, like the school board's going to hold a like a trial. 
Um, so, <laughs> a witch hunt. Yeah, I don't really get it. Um, so he had to report it or else he would be killed. So Ron decided to take his chances and failed to report it. And this went on for two weeks. I didn't hear anything again. Then he received another letter in the all caps block styled handwriting he came to know and dread. And it said, Gillespie, you have had two weeks and done nothing. Make her admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast stuff on, C- on CB's posters, signs and billboards until the truth comes out. This is a direct quote from Thought Catalog. On CDs? CBs. Oh, like CB radio? Yeah. Because, you know, a school bus, bump, bump, right, over. Right, right. Yeah. So the letters started to increase in threats, especially towards the children, too. And he began making threatening phone calls as well to the family home. He posted crude signs along Mary's bus route. So he knew her bus route. Oh. Yeah. And they often referenced Mary and Ron's young daughter in, like, sexually weird, crude ways, too. Ugh. Yeah. She was, like, 12. Yeah. yeah. So Mary had a feeling she may know who was behind the strange letters. She recently rejected a fellow bus driver, David Longberry, who was interested in her romantically. So could he be the mysterious sender? Not David Longberry. Longberry. Mr. Longberry, your bus driver. So at this point, the only people the Gillespie's had told about the letters were Ron's sister and her husband, Karen and Paul Freshour. The group hatched a plan to send a letter to David, saying they all knew he was the one sending the letters. So they weren't 100% sure, but they still sent the letter to David. And all of the letters received were postmarked from Columbus, Ohio, which was 25 miles away from Circleville. So when the letters stopped for a few weeks, the imminent threat of danger began to sink closer to the back of their minds and become less consuming. But things took a quick turn when the letter writer was back with a phone call to the Gillespie home that would change the course of this case dramatically. So Ron answers the phone and then he abruptly hangs up, leaves his house and gets in his truck and leaves in a rage. Later that night, Ron's lifeless body was discovered inside his truck, which collided with a tree. Mm. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, Ron's blood alcohol was 1.5 times over the legal limit. Oh, he wasn't even a heavy drinker either. So this was weird. People said he wasn't drinking that day. Also weird. So that was kind of suspect. And a lot of people in the town had a hard time believing it was true. And it was a real accident and not something more sinister. Although no evidence was found to support this theory. It's just a strange coincidence. He was personally threatened that evening and in general. And just to meet this accidental fate. Huh. And residents in town also started to receive letters that Ron's death was a cover-up by Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe. But what motivation would the sheriff have to commit such a crime? So Radcliffe was actually running for president of the National Sheriff's Association at the time of the accident. Okay. How would it look for him to not only have the letter writer unidentified on his watch, but also an unsolved murder in connection with the case? Something to think about, right? Good. And letters were still being sent accusing the sheriff of the cover-up, but not only um, accusing the sheriff, but also the town coroner of sexually abusing minors. Oh, that's... Yeah. The coroner was also the one who said he was over the limit um, and examined his body. So everyone just assumes that everyone has a hand in this and that it's all like... Well, they don't assume that's the letter writer, like, putting that out No, there. no, but, like, you said that the sheriff is going... F- to be on the board 
so it wouldn't look good for him. And the coroner happened to be the one that said that he was one and a half times over the limit, right? Yeah. So it's just everything is a little fishy. A little bit. A lot of it. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. Big fish. So more and more letters were being sent to unsuspecting townspeople, revealing details about their lives nobody would have access to except the people closest to them. Just random people. And the letter writer kept posting signs around the town and harassing Mary Gillespie even after her husband's death. Signs even accused Superintendent Gordon Massey of raping Gillespie's 12-year-old daughter. Oh, God. And Paul Freshour, Ron's brother-in-law, was also trying to get the FBI involved in Ron's death, believing it was not a true accident, although nothing came of that either. Hmm. So in a real twist, it came out Mary Gillespie was dating Gordon Massey. So the affair okay. from the beginning. Although the pair denied having any relationship before her husband's death. Mm. So... Yeah, that's not good. With that information, the letters to Mary became more violent and threatening. In 1983, along Mary's bus route, she noticed a vulgar sign posted about her daughter, obvious work of the letter writer. She pulled over and attempted to remove the sign when she noticed something weird. She saw the note was attached to a box with some twine, so she pulled the box only to reveal a gun had been placed inside the box. It was investigated and turned out to be a booby trap designed to set the gun off when Mary had to take down the sign. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so the gun was supposed to... Supposed to go off. But luckily, the way Mary removed the sign prevented the gun from going off. Oof. Yeah. So the police seized the gun, hoping this would be um, lead them to their letter writer. Yeah, like check for fingerprints or something? They wanted to see who it was reg- registered to. That's the easiest thing. Okay. Um, To get a break in the case. So the serial number had been scratched off, but obviously by an amateur... And forensic investigative work um, tied the gun to Paul Freshour when they got the serial number. So hmm. it's Ron's brother, brother-in-law. Weird. Oh. Paul claimed the gun had been stolen, but he made no prior report of this. And that makes him look suspicious as well. Because if your gun goes missing, you kind of need to report yeah. that. Yeah. If Plus, this, maybe he, like, this should happen. lost, like, I don't know. He might have just, like, thought he lost it. You don't lose a you don't gun. Really I guess lose you're right. A gun, you know, I just I'm used to losing everything. So yeah, but like, so a, don't a get gun. a gun. I might <laughs> lose a gun. <laughs> yeah. Let's not put that on your list of things to buy in 2022. Yeah. So Paul was brought in and asked to copy one of the Circleville letters in his handwriting. And first of all, that's just asked backwards. Like, why would you give them a real letter and be like, here, copy this? Like, especially because if you're asking them to do it, then obviously yeah. they're not going to make it match. Fucking 80s. And second, the all caps. It's the block, 80s. The all caps block writing in the letters lead. It makes me think someone's trying to cover up their real handwriting. Yeah. And we'll post a picture of the um, letters too. But hey, 80s. <laughs> the 80s. Again, Paul also failed a polygraph and in the 80s was taken as a spoken gun. Even though today they're not accurate, we don't use them really to convict people. Um, they're not accurate. It's just something. I think it's more of like a scare tactic. Yeah, it's it's still like I something they, they can use. be used in court. And if they do, there's not much like strength behind them. But I think a lot of people like don't know that. Yeah, yeah, they, you can't now just stand might. on that anymore. <laughs> We're giving away all the secrets on the show. So Paul's um, Paul's ex wife now ex wife they divorced by the way. Oh, also told police that Paul was in fact the one behind the letters, even going as far to claim she had seen them herself. But Paul did have an alibi for the day the gun was found. 
Work was being done on his house, so he was home all day with contractors. Regardless, Paul was charged with attempted murder, and a handwriting expert even said under oath that she believed Paul was the writer of the letters. He was never charged with sending the letters, although they were used as evidence against him against him in his trial. And I don't think that's protocol either, really. So he was sentenced to seven to 25 years in prison. It's an arbitrary number. Yeah. For murder, right? This is murder. Um, For attempted murder. Attempted. For yeah. Gone. Yeah. Oh, this isn't for Ron. No. Well, okay. they didn't tie that. Yeah, moment, no. Right? No, this is just for the gun in the box. Okay. Then Ron, that makes more sense. Nobody was ever um, convicted for anything because oh. they said it was an accident. Oh. The gun had gone off one time in the car before the accident, but they found Ron's gun like under him. Hmm. So he left with a gun, went, they said he was drunk, hit a tray, and it was an accident. Hmm. <laughs> so there was one serious issue in this solved case, quotes. The letters didn't stop when Paul was in prison. Hmm. Paul, yeah. So Paul himself even received a taunting letter that said, now when are you going to believe that you aren't going to get out of there? I told you two years ago. When we set them up, they set they stay set up. Don't you listen at all. So sure, he could send them from jail even if he was locked up. But to prove that he wasn't or was, just to prove either way, Paul was put in solitary confinement. He had zero access to pen and paper. He was also strip searched frequently. His cell was searched all the time as well. And the letters kept being sent regardless when he was in jail. They were still postmarked from Columbus while Paul was in prison in Lima, which was miles away. So even if he was sending them from jail, why would they be postmarked from Columbus and not Lima? Yeah. Right. So Karen's testimony had also come under scrutiny when it was discovered she had plenty of motive to frame her ex-husband. Her claims of being in possession of the letters was never being was never able to be substantiated. She said she had gotten rid of the letters. Like, okay, Karen. And let's just get rid of that. She also would have had access to Paul's gun. And after a messy divorce and because of Karen's cheating, Paul was awarded custody of their three children while Karen had to go live alone in a trailer. Mm. Ironically, on the Gillespie's property. Hmm. Yeah. So I couldn't find anything online that Karen was investigated at all, despite this evidence. It was a little weird, right? Yeah. So Paul ended up spending 10 years in jail. He always maintained his innocence up until um, his release and after that. And he even ran his own website advocating for his innocence. Hmm. And Dr. Ray Carroll, the coroner, remember him? Mm Mm-hmm. He ended up being charged with 12 counts of gross immorality, sex crimes, corruption of a minor, pornography, and indecent exposure in 1993. Oh, my God. Just a few things. A couple. So he was the one named in the letters accused of molesting kids. And he was also the coroner in Ron's case, like we said. And the one who said that he was one point times over the legal driving limit. Yeah. And David Longberry, Mary's admirer. (laughs) And just initial, the name. Longberry. Longberry. An initial suspect ended up being charged with raping an 11-year-old girl in 1999. Oh, go to hell, Longberry. And he's on the run. Oh. Yeah. Like to this day? Yeah. So what you're saying is the person that wrote these letters made all of these accusations that ended up being accurate. Most of them did. And they charged someone with the letters, but they kept coming after he was in jail. Yeah. So this is still just a... Yeah. Are the letters still coming? 
No, they are not. I'm going to talk about that. And it was also revealed there was a witness who saw a large man with sandy hair and an El Camino spotted where the booby trap was set. So the weird thing, Paul didn't even fit that description. Even more weird, Karen's new boyfriend did, and he owned a similar car. Oh. And the plot thickens. That wasn't really looked into either. Karen being a real Karen. There it goes again. Yep. And the last letter was sent in 1994 and possibly the most unusual of them all. The show Unsolved Mysteries was set to air a special about the case when the producers of the show received a letter. No. Forget Circleville, Ohio. If you come to Ohio, I can't say this without laughing. If you, sorry. If you come to El- Ohio, you L sickos will pay. The Circleville writer. You uh, L sickos. Which I'm using for the rest of my life. Spicy. Yeah. The segment still aired and no letters were sent after 1994. But they never figured out where they came from. Not true. Well, they think they did, but not truly. There's also another show. I need to look it up again. Um, recently it came out within the last few months that said they knew who the letter writer was. I think oh. it, they, they said it was still Paul. Um, that doesn't make any sense. Based on the handwriting. They're really with the handwriting. Uh, but I mean, when you think about it. Like, Mary could be involved, mm-hmm. right? Um, superintendent, Karen, Paul, like, any of them could be involved. And it's just weird that that person had information that was accurate. Like, yeah. it would be one thing if they just said, you know, mm-hmm. crazy accusations that weren't, like, provable. Yeah. And um, it's, like, also convenient, like, Mary found the gun in the box but didn't go off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. I like could see that. Like she just knew how to open it without offing herself? It would almost seem that way. Yeah. But it could go either way. Because mm-hmm. then there's Karen, too, mm-hmm. who just has all of these weird situations going on. They all have, like, weird shit going on. And I don't even really have an opinion about it just because it's, it's, like, impossible to form one. Yeah, I don't even know if you, like, made me ask. Like, if you made me answer who I thought it was. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. That is unsettling. Deeply. Mm. Also, your microphone stand is kind of unsettling. It's, yeah, it's doing a sag. It is. It's got a. It's got a sag. Doing a bob sag. Oh, oh too rest soon. in peace. I'm sorry. That sag. was too soon. Let me tell you, Eric was so upset about Bob Saget. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I was too, but like, he's not rattled by much. That one got him. He's like, death is real. Yeah, because not even because of Full House. What else was he in? America's Funniest Home Videos. That's it. He's like, how are we going to watch funny videos of cats anymore? I'm like, the internet. He's like, no, it's not the same. Yeah, we all like used to have to like huddle around our box TV just to see our funny videos back in the day. Yep. Now we have the internet. Now we have them on demand. Yeah, we make our own it funny ain't the videos. same. It's not. It lost its flair. They would always like award like the worst video too. You know. Yeah, it was never, like, it wasn't the funniest. Who was judging these? I don't know, because it wasn't the funniest. Rigged. It was. Just as rigged as the Ohio Circleville letter writer scandal. Mm -hmm. Yep. Rigged. Big rig. Yeah. So that's my case. All right. Are you unsettled, Ab? You look unsettled. Yeah. She's nodding. (laughs) <laughs> not sure if she's forming an answer so she's just offering a nod okay i hope you're really guys struggling don't. with this wine cleanse 
Oh, yeah, we said, Abby and I said we weren't going to drink any wine for a little while. Mm. And um, it's and been I, a day. And I brought <laughs> on over, day two. I brought over a bottle of wine when I came here. And I looked at it. I was like, ow. I didn't know. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, you were cleansing your livers. Was unaware. And I'm just standing in solidarity with Abby. And I hate that. I have a seltzer. Aaron was like, we need to pick out a special beverage for tonight since we aren't drinking. She told me that, too. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get an iced coffee. Completely went over my head that you're, like, walking with the Lord now. <laughs> and I'm drinking water. And you even get special, special beverage. <laughs> it's fridge water, too. I was like, maybe I'll just replace it with, like, milkshakes. And I was like, that completely fucking destroys oh, the That would be a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> your liver is better, but now your stomach's a mess. Like, this makes no and sense. And you've gained 10 pounds. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not vegan. Doesn't make any sense. So that was my case. I hope you guys liked it. I did. That was interesting. I like and a we'll good see you next week. I like a good Reddit hole. <laughs> just, just spit, spit everywhere. everywhere. Oh, my God. Sorry, Steve. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Bye now. Bye. Bye.